0: Hi everyone, I'm John Offit. I'm a broadcaster based in the UK and welcome to Different Minds, a podcast series that looks at neurodiversity, the different ways our brains can work and interpret information. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Timo, the award-winning visual planning app designed to support routine and time management. The app empowers users to schedule visual routines that work. Users say that Timo can actually help reduce stress and support executive function. Head to your app store and type T-I-I-M-O into the search bar to learn more. Today we're going to talk about how it feels to be diagnosed with autism later in life. Although autism is predominantly diagnosed in childhood, increasing numbers of adults are finding out that they have autism too. This issue of a later life diagnosis was brought to light recently after the nature photographer and TV presenter Chris Packham went public with his own experiences. About 1% of the adult population is being diagnosed as on the autism spectrum, with more people diagnosed with autism than ever before. And yet generally the focus on who has autism is still mostly on infants, children and young adults. Delighted to be joined by a good friend of mine, Ashley Kirk. Ashley has recently been diagnosed with autism. Um, Ashley is a self-shooting producer, photographer and camera operator based in the UK. He has a BA Honours degree in photography and a Masters in documentary journalism and regularly works on projects for ITV News. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi John, thanks for having me. No worries. So how are you today? Tell us about it's been quite a year hasn't it 2020 How how has this year been for you?
1: It's been interesting I mean it's it's one of those years where everything's gone quite well at the start and then this has happened with coronavirus and to be fair everybody always mentions how have you dealt with the whole pandemic being autistic and I've dealt with it quite well really because especially when it's been quiet and the streets are empty it's almost like a dream for somebody that get stressed out by being in crowds and around people yeah yeah interesting interesting so Ashley
0: you you were recently diagnosed with ASD so what made you get a
1: diagnosis then as as an adult so since being young I've always really felt different and I mean using the word "different" is probably the worst way to describe it but it's probably for me is exactly that you feel different to everybody around you and I've always felt like everything's been a bit overwhelming and I've had to learn my own ways of dealing with how stuff overwhelms me and how to get over that and and relax and then start again, get stressed, overwhelmed and relax again. So I've always felt like something was there. And then as I got older, people may mention to me, I think you've got autism or you've got traits of it. So I've always kind of been interested about getting a diagnosis and then eventually Went for it and got put on 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 a waiting list for it, and it took about two and a half years to three years. And this year was when it eventually became my turn to have a diet, well, to have a test or have an, an assessment, which which eventually led to me getting this diagnosis.
0: So, did you growing up with it? Then, did you sometimes fight it? Did you try and hide it? Did you did you struggle with it socially?
1: I think growing up with it I kind of just saw it as being part of my personality and it wasn't that I was trying to hide it because it was who I was it was more so just feeling different to everybody else and and feeling as though I was the odd one out and that I was kind of the loser of the bunch although it has its benefits because I was always quite creative and it enabled me especially when I got older and I started doing music it was kind of what drove that and allowed me enabled me to to do that which eventually led to me being a bit more popular and and having a bit more pride in in what i did and embracing what i did but i've never really tried to hide it it's almost been natural to me to hide it it's never had to be forced until i got older and then i realized i was doing certain things like avoiding eye contact and i would have to force the eye contact but I would notice i wasn't giving someone eye contact and as soon as i noticed it it became quite awkward and i would struggle so i've I've never really done like tried to hide it there are times where i've bought an item of clothing of a specific color and i've gone to go put clothes on and i've gone hell, i've got all this all these green clothes and it's only then i've realized maybe that's to do with that i've maybe been obsessing over a certain color
0: yeah so if you could just talk us through the actual diagnosis then so who diagnosed you how how did they diagnose you just talk us through what actually happened.
1: So I think it went through Derbyshire Healthcare which was a foundation trust through the NHS and it started off with me filling out these questionnaires which gradually led up to a phone call where somebody spoke to me on the phone and asked me about certain things that bothered me like how certain sounds affected me or certain smells and how daily life was for me and eventually it led to a face it it led to an online um, interview with somebody because of the coronavirus pandemic usually it'd be done in person but this was all done through, through a live web chat and they go through questionnaires and ask you certain things and they do tests with eyesight pictures of eyes where you have to judge whether you can tell what that person's thinking and things like that part of the test i did quite well which was quite surprising to them but again it goes to how i have learned to do stuff um so that if that kind of gives you an idea of how uh, you sort of ask quite personal questions about your family and how you associate with family and and the person who's assessing you just gets they, they do they ask lots of questions to try and work out who you are and and how you've lived with it and to kind of get the best idea of whether you are or not. What was your exact diagnosis then, Ashley? My actual diagnosis was autism because they're no longer doing autism and Asperger's. I think that's such, I don't know how long it's been, but I think they only now do an autism diagnosis. Although I think maybe I'm, I've got Asperger's. I'm not sure. It just it's now just a, a blanket. If you if you're on the spectrum, it's it's autism.
0: Yeah, because I guess it, I guess it's since two thousand and thirteen that the definitions of autism have changed. Uh, as you say, um, now Asperger's syndrome, um, it, previously that was a separate subtype of autism, is no longer diagnosed separately, um, and that's been amalgamated into autism spectrum disorder. And um, so, yeah, that 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 has been a change that I guess could make some adults feel a bit alienated and unsure about what their diagnosis actually means. Uh, because obviously things have changed quite recently. So, yeah, that's a really interesting point. How did you feel then after your diagnosis? I guess for some people it's a relief to find out why they think
1: or act in a certain way. It's quite a relief. I mean, it was, without bawling my eyes out, it was quite emotional. Um, I also, it, it instantly came over me as well that when she told me, she told me there and then on the interview, what her views were and that she would then, you then get a letter a few weeks later. And I was, I instantly said, I feel like I'm a bit of an imposter here as though, although I've been diagnosed and this is what I've wanted to know, it almost feels as though you, you aren't a part of this exclusive club, if you know what I mean. You feel as though you are an imposter at the beginning until, so, I mean, I'm I'm it's only been so many months, but I am gradually beginning to take it in a bit more. I'm also trying to like use it to my advantage a bit more as well and get the support that is now available to me. Um but yeah it was I was quite it was, it's hard, probably had to say as well but there is a little bit of embarrassment there until we gradually get used to it. Um but that's because of the stigma that's attached to it. I mean I don't go around telling everybody about it but if it ever came up in conversation I wouldn't I wouldn't deny it. So on that then, actually, so why did you decide to go public with it on the, on this podcast then? I think, one, it's quite easy to talk to a brick wall about it, and I know you quite well, but it's, I think there's a lot of people out there as well who feel the same, and that if you're autistic, it's either the most extreme, or it's nothing, when there are little bits that get to you, and you could be autistic, and you could need the support, and there are people that live with this for the rest of their lives, not knowing any different, but struggle, And fortunately, there's a lot of people as well who who do stuff like commit suicide and and just give up on life altogether, who don't seek the help they need purely because they're embarrassed about it or the stigma that's attached to it. And they just think it's better to not be attached to it. I was speaking to somebody the other day who told me about their son and wanting to get a diagnosis for them. And they said to me, "Um, do you think it will impact their employment prospects when they're older? And that was quite, I found that quite... I I found it really really terrible for them to Mm -hmm. think that because that's the truth it is exactly what went through my mind is will it impact my employment prospects if people know about this will somebody think if they hire me will I be difficult and the truth is that um, what am I Uh, there are points to me where I am difficult I'm difficult to live with and stuff also opens up that prospect though of I can ask for the support I know my triggers I know the the flags which mean that I need to go and maybe go and get a cup of tea and and have the confidence to do that when I was younger I used to not have the confidence to take myself away from stress so I'd I'd instantly become overwhelmed whereas now I've got older I've got this confidence of going I'm just going to go away from this and walk away but yeah there's, there's there's a lot of people who have got this sort of side to the spectrum where you've got almost a lot of the benefits and a few of the disadvantages of it and the person I was speaking to the other day, the, the kid they were referring to is amazing at maths and he's only five years old and yet he knows how to count to a hundred. And I mean, he's got so much employment prospect if he gets the the right support, like he could become somebody that programs computers that in the future we're using to launch rockets to space. There's nothing that's gonna stop his employment prospects. But if they don't get the support now, that kid might get put into a classroom where it's so noisy they get overwhelmed so they get bad grades they don't get the the grades they need to go to university or do what they want to do in life and that's when it will impact their employment prospects and that's when it will impact their life because that's how I felt I I I struggled at school and in in any kind of an environment where I was closed in and I didn't feel as though I could escape and that's kind of what I emphasised to the person that asked me that question, that the, you need to get them the support because that way they can prosper and it won't affect them.
0: So have you told your friends and family about your diagnosis? And how, and if so, how have people reacted to that?
1: So I told my sister first and I kind of hinted it to my mum. And I, I've never actually really, I've always sort of just referred to it rather than actually bringing it up. I've told one of my best mates, and he was really shocked. He said, "You don't seem like you have got it." And I said, no, "That's exactly. Yeah, you're right. I suppose I hide it. every person will
0: show. We'll obviously be different. It's it's not one. You know, everything's. It's a spectrum essentially. So yeah, what 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 actually is autism?
1: Yeah, well, it's like looking up at the clouds, isn't it, and saying all clouds look the same, whereas somebody that's like a meteorologist or something would say, no, that's a specific cloud, and that's a specific cloud they're very subtly different and in, in their own different ways and i suppose it's like that with autism yeah
0: and you've already touched on this but what what are the the benefits then do you think of getting a diagnosis
1: so the benefits are obviously now if anybody was to discriminate against me for example because i needed to remove myself from an environment i i've got more legal support in in that sense Um, I've also got support in the sense I actually got myself a blue badge for my car because one of the things that I get quite stressed about is planning my journeys and having somewhere to park and it's that little difference that's massively helped me and I'm now not that nervous to go for drives or think about where I need to park and so I've been just just something like that's helped me and there's also a lot of people that you can call now and get help with and I was able to call them before, but now having this official diagnosis, it's helped me have the confidence to call them up and not feel like an imposter or like I'm attention grabbing or trying to make an excuse for it. It's, it's, it's given me kind of authority to, to seek the help that I need to have instead of being afraid to ask for it out of fear that I would be judged as though I'm trying to take from people that actually need the help what comes across with you actually is obviously you're incredibly self-aware so obviously that that obviously must help right it doesn't it doesn't so being self-aware it can be one of the downfalls of, of of the diagnosis that you know everything that's going on around you so you instantly feel different and you can sort of sense that you're not quite fitting in or something like that a lot of that's anxiety and a lot of that's not true but that's kind of the side effect of being self-aware is that like for example i'll say i'll notice that i'm not um, giving somebody eye contact so then i can feel quite awkward about it or maybe i just said something that was maybe wasn't the right thing to say and about five seconds later i'll realize that now i feel embarrassed and i feel as though i shouldn't have said that and it's almost like ignorance is bliss it'd be quite nice to not know that i'm doing these things but because I do, it makes things a little bit more difficult.
0: I hear what you're saying there, yeah. So I just wanted to talk about some of the signs and symptoms of autism, and you've already touched on these uh, some of them, but yeah, I just wondered if you relate to to the following. So obviously communication issues, are there there any kind of examples that you could give in terms of kind of
1: verbal and non-verbal language and the difficulty of interpreting that? I think it's hard to say now, being at the age I am, because I when you're older you think you're best you think you're great at everything, but there are subtle things that I, I do miss. So sarcasm can be quite difficult. I can have a little bit of a lag on that, but I've got better at it. I used to struggle with banter. People would do banter with me and I would think that they were personally insulting me and I wouldn't get the joke joke there. Um there's also the whole avoiding conflict scenarios because for me things can be quite quite aggressive and environments which wouldn't otherwise be considered like conflict zones to me they can be and put me off mentioning something that other people might find it easy to bring up um, i think verbally that's kind of it it's i i'm I can probably rant about my own personal things all day, and sometimes I don't give people a bit of. I don't give people sometimes the ta- the opportunity to talk back, but then I'll realise and I'll shut up and I'll let them talk. So that comes back to the whole self awareness again.
0: What about difficulty reading other people and expressing um, emotion?
1: So that's where I did quite well on this test, and the woman was quite who did the did the um, assessment was quite surprised because. I'm quite visual anyway and as I've grown up I've learned how to read people and it's almost done a flip side for me that I I'm almost hyper I've I've kind of got a hyper sense of people's emotions and that can be almost a, a negative sometimes because I can get I can feel their emotions a bit too much um, but then there are times where I, I don't care about other people's emotions and it, that's almost a wall that I put up to stop myself getting down but also there are times where i have to pretend to be affected by somebody and that comes back to being self-aware again I'll someone might tell me about something that they've experienced that's a bad thing and i'll have to prompt and tell myself that's a bad thing you should react in this way and whereas in the past i may have not reacted in that way but now i've learned to react in a certain way to that to that if you know what i mean so it's
0: like learned behavior in that sense yeah
1: yeah it's it's all learned the there's certain i mean it's like anything a, a child when they're younger learns to learns how to behave in a certain, certain social environment and yeah. i think being autistic you you, learn, you lose that in a way depending on how hard it is you find it yeah and you have to learn how to do these things you don't tend to do it subconsciously it's all done unconsciously and then it's only when you realize and become self-aware about it you think doing that actually I'm not that bothered by that but yeah I'm I'm pretending to care or I'm pretending to be sad or I'm having to force myself to be happy at this situation when in fact I'm not that bothered yeah so,
0: what about um highly focused interest do you relate to that
1: I think my entire life's been based around highly focused interests like when I was in a band it was about being in the band and nothing else and when I started doing photography, I was obsessed with just photography, and it's 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 always for me. I've always been obsessed with with lots of different things, and when I'm obsessed with something, it's I'm always I always dive straight into it with with all my effort. Yeah.
0: What about sensory
1: sensitivity? So that's kind of why I went through and got a diagnosis and needed the most support in my life is that I'm incredibly overwhelmed all the time through sensory situations and that could be sound and light and smells i can't cook certain things or if i do cook certain things i might spend ages trying to mask that smell or having to wash clothes because of the smell if i can an example of some food then that you don't like or so there's a sunday lunch there's a sunday dinner light smell with yeah. like mashed potatoes and, and all the meats you get with that and gravy and i think it's the gravy that does it's a smell that's associated to that and i hate it it's horrible yeah. but i like sunday dinners and if my mum ever cooks a sunday dinner i always go around in clothes that i'm happy to wash within yeah. a minute of getting home yeah it, it's it's really strange but then and this and the same with like the certain sounds and stuff and and lights but as i've got older i've, I've grown to adapt to that a little bit more. The sounds are really difficult because you can't avoid a sound, you can't cover your your ears and a a sound disappears as as well as if you cover your eyes or something.
0: Yeah. So what about when you said lights and so what's an example of something that is maybe too bright or not, just give me an example of that. Is it something on your, are you sensitive to the light, the brightness of your laptop screen or how does that, what does that actually mean?
1: it's hard it's almost like it's just someone poking you it's it's it bothers you it it just it's like someone annoying you all the time so the light can get in your eyes and you just just don't like it so lights for me are less so than the other things sound and smells um but with light it's more so the intensity of it and you could have something that's flickering really bad but or the sun could be shining in your eyes in a certain way but For me, it's more the sound and the smells that affect me.
0: What about touch and the kind of the? uh, Often you hear sometimes that people with uh, certainly with Asperger's uh, sometimes um, clothes tags can they could be quite sensitive to the to the feeling of of, of a clothes tag touching them. Can you relate to that?
1: Yes. So for me, I've always thought that was normal because you know nobody likes something like that touching them, but yeah certain temperatures as well certain like if something's cold like it can it can it picks up on my radar more than maybe others if it's if my arms are wet or if i've got clothes on that get wet cuffs things like that yeah um if i've if i've been out in the rain and my trousers get wet that can be quite difficult but again as i've got older i've just got used to it and and I'm grown to 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 know that just deal with it <laughs> What about repetitive behaviours and routines? That's probably my, my expert topic is is routines and, and repetitive behaviours. Um, each morning I'll wake up and I'll have to do a specific thing before I get up. Um, there's certain things that I do as well because my anxieties, like at the moment they change throughout my life. I've done different things, but at the moment I have to touch wood every time something goes through my head that kind of causes me to be anxious and, in maybe a few months' time, it'll change and become something else. Um, I don't do the light switch on, switch off thing. I know people that have done that, and that's never really been something. When I was younger, I used to have really intense ones, but as I've got older, they've they've become a little less intense. I used to have to do this thing where before I went to sleep, I had to say sorry until I felt okay to sleep, and that was quite an intense one because it, it almost took over my life at one point.
0: Would you say that you still then mask some
1: of your autistic traits? I kind of do and I don't. I it's almost like putting a coat on to go outside. It you're not masking it to hide it. You're masking it to sort of get through the day and not feel it as much. I I don't it's hard to explain that I don't it's become so unconscious for me to do. I don't know if I do or don't until I know I'm doing it. So yeah.
0: And often
1: people that are
0: diagnosed with autism, they, they have comorbidities, so other conditions attached to that, and uh, and obviously a lot of people experience anxiety and depression as well. And do you, I think actually you you have also mentioned um, that you have ADHDs. Is
1: that right? So I don't know if I do or not. When I did my assessment, she asked. If I wanted to have a diagnosis for that, because the question she asked me at the end to do to, to judge whether or not I should go for an assessment for that came up as highly likely, um, which again it's almost like being given the short straw of being autistic and having ADHD because you can you kind of see people as who are autistic of having these have having the ability to be really focused on something, but then the ADHD takes me away from that, so I've almost got the worst straw
0: of it. good to talk us through some of the challenges then that you kind of face in your life you know in terms of like day-to-day stuff I guess like holding down a job
1: relationships just general life really so I mean again as I've got older I've learned ways to deal with it and it comes down to confidence more than anything so but when I was younger I used to struggle I used to think you had to do this nine till five job in an office and you had to sit there all day and just shut up and put up and for other people they could sit there and do that and get over that and that was quite normal for them but for me it was like being in a jail cell and inside I was screaming that I didn't want to do this and I needed to get out and be outside or be in an environment where I didn't feel as closed in so that was quite difficult i used to i used to quit jobs and give up on jobs or get sacked from jobs quite easily because i would just not turn up to them because i became quite overwhelmed about it and same with education I, I used to have to leave classes and I'd just walk out of classes when I was younger because I couldn't deal with the environment and that was never addressed as being anything other than being a troublemaker um, but yeah as I got as I got older I sort of said to myself that there's no point in carrying this on I need to do something that's gonna it's gonna match my personality and and help me and this was even before this was way before I even thought I had autism or went to have the diagnosis of own autism I just figured that there's no reason why I can't do something that that's helps me and it helps the circumstances that well it helps the feelings that I go through each day so that's how I've become quite creative and I've I've managed to get job jobs where I'm working outside all the time or I'm if I'm not working outside I'm in an environment where I'm constantly active and in a way that I don't have this anxiety of being in an office where it's so quiet you can hear a clock clicking by and you can hear so and so down the hall eating an apple and that can be quite like that can bother me quite a lot when I'm doing jobs like that because even swallowing your own saliva in an office that's quiet for me can be quite distressing because you almost feel as though all eyes are on you whereas doing the jobs that you I do it now allows me not to have have that feeling as though I'm being watched, or all or, or the things that are associated to how I feel. So it's helped me quite a lot, really, in 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 that sense.
0: What about personal relationships? Are you do you find yourself that you're able to be open with with people about about your diagnosis and, and that kind of thing? I
1: don't I don't feel so at the moment. I think if I was to meet somebody tomorrow, I probably won't it wouldn't be something that would be on the first few words that came out of my mouth it, it wouldn't be something that if they asked me then I would possibly tell them but I would probably refrain from telling them until I n- knew they weren't going to judge me I suppose um I think it has had an impact on relationships in the past in the sense that I don't necessarily need that comfort from other people as other people might but it, it's still you do still I still do feel lonely occasionally. But it's sort of like I'd rather have a relationship with somebody where they're my best friend rather than a relationship with somebody for the sake of being in a relationship. So
0: often people say autistic people don't feel emotion or empathy and um, uh, you know what would you say, would you say about that?
1: I'd say, I mean, with some people, then that's possibly true, but for like people like myself, I feel it almost, twice as twice the amount if not more than other people do because i'm constantly looking for those flags of what emotions are i can become quite emotional about it and although i was saying before that i have to pretend and force myself to feel a certain way it doesn't mean i'm not deep down feeling that way i can feel bad about something but not express that i'm feeling bad about it and i might later on go and lay down in bed and feel terrible about something but at the time, I didn't. So I think the whole misconception of people who are autistic don't feel is is completely incorrect because I think we feel more than anybody else feels, and especially as well, like emotions and stuff, they are more intense. I, I find that if I get in a relationship with somebody, I have to scale it back quite a lot because I can be the most loving person ever, but then I can also be the most, I can be the nastiest person ever. So those emotions can be the the most intense emotions. Yeah
0: quite kind of intense maybe at the beginning of a relationship and then I guess may do you
1: have the ability then to, to cut off quite quickly if you need to yeah I you could be dead to me tomorrow if if someone <laughs> wronged me I could that could be them done then that's where the emotion comes from I I may not feel as though I may feel something later on where I regret that what I did it's quite easy to switch that and and, and choo- choose to switch that emotion off um, and that almost again comes down to the whole maybe it's all forced maybe it's all pretend and that I've learned to pretend these emotions maybe they don't exist I don't know
0: <laughs> what What do you think needs to be done as a society then for us to, to reduce the
1: stigma that that still exists when it comes to understanding autism I think I mean especially in how it's autism is is p- portrayed in the media and stuff is that you, you see it as though it's the most extreme it, it, it's people like if you look at katie price's son in the media it's always when anything comes up about about his diagnosis it's always a negative thing so it's no wonder when people want to consider getting a diagnosis they're put off doing it and they're put off getting a diagnosis because people do stigmatize it in in such a bad way and when it isn't stigmatized and people do try and and do the right thing and maybe employ more people who are autistic those who aren't the most extreme do feel a bit left out at least that's how i feel in that um it's you almost like again it goes back to being feeling a like an imposter and as though you're taken away from those that need the most support when reality is you do need the support and you you're all You're all in this together, and you're all in the same diagnosis, but it's you're just a different sort of level of the spectrum. So,
0: what would you say to anyone uh, listening to this podcast that perhaps um, can relate to a lot of what you're saying today, and maybe they're struggling and they're not quite sure what to do, whether to or how to go about getting a
1: diagnosis? I think it's it's one of those barriers of if it's not affecting your life and you don't feel as though you need the support it's not really something you should feel that you need to have a diagnosis to explain, but it is always worth knowing more about who you are and why you do things. So if you do feel as though you need to go and get a diagnosis because you think that it's something you might have, then why not? You might as well go and get it done. If if it comes back as says that you're not autistic or whatever, Mm. it's just another thing you can tick off the box and work towards understanding who you are more. When I got my diagnosis, the first thing the woman said to me was you're on track now to, to learn so much about yourself and it's going to be an amazing adventure. And it's exactly that. It's it's finally being able to understand the words in the book that you've been trying to read. You're now able to read it and you're able to learn about who you are and what you what you do. And it can help you as well to manage how you feel. And if you are feeling that way, you can there's there's ways to to deal with it which weren't really available before but i would just say to somebody it's entirely up to them they should do it because they want to do it not because they feel as though it's something they need to do to to have this stamp of approval from people it's it's up to them yeah i just want to go back to
0: kind of the benefits really of the your diagnosis and you mentioned this now that you're able to receive support so What support have you been offered
1: since? So there's a lot of charities out there that deal with people, like deal with autism diagnosis and also just disability in general, and they can offer legal advice, which you might not have realised you needed in the past. And there's things like, for me, I I struggle sometimes with my finances and things like council tax. And I spoke to a legal advisor from the disability charity and they were explaining to me that, there's things where they should, certain companies should make reasonable adjustments. So being able to have that, that trump card to, to show to somebody, actually, I should be getting the support. And for a long time, thinking it's just me and I'm the problem, there's a lot more support now that is available to help prevent issues in the future. I wanted to talk
0: about neurodiversity, which is a a viewpoint that brain differences are normal rather than deficits and that we should be celebrating our differences and that we all, you know, interpret information differently and our minds work differently. And and that's actually okay. It's not something that needs to be treated. Um, You know, so moving away from that traditional medical view of this is something that needs to be cured to something that actually society needs to be more understanding as a whole. That everyone thinks differently. What 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 do you think about the whole neurodiversity movement, Ashley?
1: I I think that to medicate something is completely wrong unless it's having such a detrimental effect on someone else's life or your own life that it's necessary. I, it's almost a shame to medicate somebody because in a way, having autism can is is as much a gift as it is a as it is something that's a negative. It it offers so much that is beneficial. If you look at people who have done so much for society, a lot of them have got these underlying disabilities that people would happily quickly like jump to giving you medication for. And I think it's completely wrong to think that somebody who's autistic or of any other has any other disability that makes them maybe socially or something different should have to be medicated to fit in. Why should why shouldn't the rest of society be like people who are autistic or or so? Like, why should we have to fit in when, why shouldn't you have to fit in? And that's kind of really, maybe these diagnoses and these disabilities, they're all socially generated. They're all generated because they've all been created because apparently we're different. And it's only, we're only different because society says we are. And in reality, what's so different? What's so, what's so wrong about that if there's animals and stuff in the in, in the animal kingdom that are all different from one another and we don't give them all different diagnoses because one bird's a specific color and another bird's a specific color such a good point
0: and, and and just keeping with neurodiversity for a second what would you sometimes there's a little bit of a controversy around the the autism spectrum that it's it's such a broad spectrum where on, on one end of the spectrum there might be people like you that are very articulate, that are um, autistic advocates in a way that are able to, to communicate and and talk and raise awareness of, of of people's understanding of what autism is. But then on the other end of the spectrum, there were people with autism that struggle communicating at all and have severe impairments. And
1: and often people say, how, how can that be the same thing? The only kind of, I think the only downside to it is like you say, is it, it, is the sigma that is attached because some people might think well i'm not like those on the far end of the scale of the spectrum but it's like people on the far end of the scale saying well why is those why those people on the other side why are they autistic they shouldn't be part they shouldn't be and it's a tricky subject I, i don't know enough about it which is again it's part of my journey now to to learn about it there's a lot of stuff i don't understand and it's not something that's really come up yet in in the other than feeling like if i said to somebody that I'm autistic and they say we oh, don't seem it and it's like oh why what do I, why don't i seem it what and it's because they think well i'm not on the floor having a tantrum or screaming or something it doesn't mean i don't go on the floor scream and have tantrums i just have them in my own special way but what they see as autistic is the most extreme end of the scale but that's not the reason why people shouldn't be diagnosed on this spectrum that's the whole reason the spectrum exists is to give people on one end of it the same equal diagnosis as those on the other side of it absolutely
0: what about the language uh, that we use around autism so there's a massive paradigm shift in, in the language that we use where you know uh, some people refer to themselves as neurodivergent or uh, you know part of a neuro minority where others will use the traditional kind of you know autism uh, label and um, i just wondered kind of how important is the language to you in terms of self-identifying and and like you said it's it's constantly evolving and changing isn't it
1: yeah i mean for the, the language side of it i would say that's like a psychological thing i think is people can drift away from being autistic by saying they're something else and it's easy to say you're some like you're not i don't actually know anything other than autism i don't know about any other um, terms or like that, and to be quite honest, if someone ever asked me what I was, I would just say I'm autistic. I wouldn't think of it as, and I don't think of it either as I've got Asperger's. I, I, it just doesn't come up other than being autism. Maybe there's more to it, and maybe these other denominations of it help yeah, people. It's
0: personal view, isn't it? It's what you're comfortable with. Ultimately, yeah. it's a personal thing, isn't
1: it? Yeah. So I say I think it's more psychological. It helps people deal with what they think of themselves as being in, and identify as, I suppose.
0: Just to kind of finish off then kind of what we've been talking about, what does being autistic mean mean to you then? It,
1: I don't think it means anything. It, it, it means, for me, it it's a means to, it's like having a safety net around me for once in my life that if I did have this struggle that I've been dealing with, since I was younger I've kind of got this net now that I can fall upon and I'm not just going to fall to the ground there's actually support there to help me and enable me to live my life as positively and as effectively as other people do who don't have the same difficulties as as I do and other people do who are on who've either got any kind of disability but I think for me to be autistic is it's not much different I mean it's quite I think it's it's almost like having a new pair of trousers. You know, <laughs> you quite like the look of them until you get used to them, and then they just become another pair of trousers. It's I think it's it's nice that I've got this diagnosis now and I'm able to understand myself, but it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't make me feel any different about who I am. Um, although I I haven't quite got used to telling everybody yet.
0: Final question. This is a, a question that I ask all my guests on my podcast series.
1: If you had the chance, what advice would you give your younger self, Ashley? if i could give my young self any advice it would just be to be yourself and not to feel any at all ashamed of being slightly different and that in the future that's the sort of thing that makes people so interested in you when you get older those that drift into the shadows are the ones that try and be the sheeps and try and be the same as everybody else and although it might be difficult now and you might be standing out for the, all the wrong reasons right now when you get older all those things that make you unique now and make you a, a target for people that think you're different um make you who you are later on and it'll be a benefit thing it'll be a beneficial thing for you ashley you've been a superb guest thank you so much for your time today and
0: you've offered uh practical helpful advice for for, for many of our listeners and you talked through your pre and post adult ASD assessment which was incredibly fascinating and insightful and yeah I think I really like what you're saying in terms of rather than seeing autism as just a deficit or something that is not normal we need to see it as a a, as a way to think about how different people are because because after all it's through difference that I guess we learn more and achieve more and ultimately that will add more substance to day-to-day life in into society so yeah I really find it quite um, humbling that you've been able to kind of talk through your recent experiences as you're still kind of coming to terms with what that means for yourself but I think it's just uh, it's, it's incredibly humbling to hear how honest and open you are about it
1: so I want to thank you for that so thanks for having me on and i apologize to all those who are listening about my lack of radio voice but... <laughs> but yeah no it's it's good to have somebody to talk to about it and to express what i've been feeling for so long so yeah thanks for having me on brilliant
0: thank you so actually maybe you're like me and you've got a face for radio
1: <laughs> Maybe,
0: maybe <laughs> thanks again ashley cheers
1: cheers bye